0: Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Kara and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Ten years ago, the founders of Viori Hair and Body Care met the Red Yao tribe in the Longsheng Mountains of southern China. The women of the tribe are famous for their incredibly thick, long, youthful hair. They wash it only with a special blend of longshin rice water and other simple ingredients. They shared their recipe with Viore so Viore can share it with you in hair care shampoo and conditioner bars that give you soft, healthy, shiny hair while helping to preserve the Red Yao culture and economy. All Viore products are vegan, sulfate-free, paraben-free, cruelty-free, and plastic-free, and they're all made with longshin rice from Red Yao farmers. Viori gives a portion of their profits to the Red Yaw people so this tribe and its traditions will survive and thrive. That's Viore's beautiful reason. Learn more and shop Viore products at Viore.com and use code JUSTINGREDIENTS for 10% off. Lily B. Singer is a busy mom of four with a passionate for good food, especially when it comes to counting macros. Lily's macro counting journey started in November 2016 as she started tracking with a coach. Learning all the ins and outs of tracking. Lily teaches the importance of eating delicious, real, whole foods and eating lots of them. Lily has gained a large following on her Instagram at Lily Eats and Tells, formerly at Lily Loves Macros, where she shares amazing macro friendly recipes, tips and tricks, advice, and empowerment to everyone on their food journey, macro counting or not. With three macro friendly cookbooks filled with delicious, easy to make meals. Lily is a great resource, whether you are new to the macro world or already tracking. Everyone, I am so excited to have Lily here on the podcast. A lot of you know her from Instagram, and I am so excited to talk macros with you and just a bunch of food things. So thank you for being here today.
1: You're welcome. I'm so honored that you have me.
0: Lily, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, how you became interested in the health and fitness industry and tracking macros. Well,
1: I I always wonder like how far back to go, you know, but I I would say I've always been at least thought that I was interested and aware of health and wellness just growing up. My parents were to, to whatever degree, you know, it's always changing, but um I grew up with the, my dad when I was young ran health clubs gyms and my mom was actually I think she did like her undergrad like her associate's degree in nutrition or something so she was always aware and I would say we ate healthy ish but then just fast forward like to my adult years being married I like to cook but it was after my third baby I have four after my third I had a friend so it was just kind of normal where I felt pretty good but I would always kind of like oh I think it's time to tighten things up maybe I should try South Beach or I never did Atkins, but I definitely dabbled in like, oh, I think I should try something new, you know? And I always felt like, oh, it's time to go back to just eating veggies and protein so I could like try and lose the baby weight or whatever. So at some point in there, one of my friends started counting macros and I'd seen the term before and it was just sort of this foreign term, you know, like this language of bodybuilders or something I didn't understand all and was not interested at all until she just had such a great experience. So I was curious and ended up hiring Amber, Biceps After Babies, to coach me, which I'd never done anything like that. It was so out of my comfort zone, like to spend money on something like that. I'd always felt like, why would I spend money? We all know what we have to do. We just don't want to do it, you know? Right. Like, I know I should exercise. I know I should lift some weights. I know I should eat lots of veggies and protein. That's what I always just thought was the solution. But I really, I think I just really fell in love quickly because it felt like the first time for me where it was a different approach it wasn't like emotional and it wasn't made it kind of like a math equation which I liked I liked things like objective and kind of like a science experiment and I felt like it was like a new approach that didn't feel like sad or emotional to me like I was taking all these things away it felt more like I was trying to figure out this new puzzle and I had success so then I just got really really into it and here we
0: are oh that's great Okay. I'm going to start at the very beginning, this very basic so that anyone listening can follow along throughout the whole uh, podcast episode. So let's just start with the basics. What are macros and what does it mean to track your macros? So macros
1: is just short for macronutrients, which are your carbs, fats, and protein. So tracking your macros just means that you're keeping track of of your daily intake of those three macronutrients. Of course, there are other things that come along with those, but things that you're taking care of, tracking, monitoring, if you're tracking your macros for sure. And obviously it's like counting your calories. I mean, you could track your macros and you could track them up to a million and you you would eat a lot of food. You know, it's tracking the macros themselves doesn't do anything magical, right? But you set goals, maybe with the help of a coach, maybe on your own, to try and figure out this balance of macronutrients that's going to make you feel the best and help you hit whatever your goals are.
0: So when you track macros, you're tracking your fats, your carbs, and your protein that you have eaten that day.
1: Correct. In grams.
0: Okay. So how does someone figure out what their macros should be? Because everybody has different macros,
1: correct? Yeah. Although I will say people get really hung up on that. Like it's like this like you need to go to like a fortune teller. Like we've got this perfect macro breakdown. And it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, the truth is it's not that magical. It's all comes back to your biofeedback and trial and error to some degree. The main key I would say, and even I even need to preface this though, because you can count your macros and do keto. You could count your macros and be vegan. And if you are, your protein count your, your goal for protein, you have to be realistic. You have to factor it into all of your different goals in life. So your protein goal is going to be much lower than a traditional macro counter. If you're tracking your macros and you're doing keto, you're going to be shooting for really high fat, moderate protein, and really low carb, you know, but your traditional kind of, at least in my opinion, what I'm going to call like your mainstream macro counter like right now is, um, we're all, we're generally going to have a, a low fat, high protein, Moderate carb breakdown. Okay, and you can go to a lot of different online calculators to figure that out, or you can use a coach. And yeah, people freak out because you could go to a a few different online calculators and get different numbers, right? And you know that's just because there's a lot of things to factor in, and and which is why a coach can be nice because if you find somebody you trust, then you just feel like you tell me what to do. I've got a page in my first cookbook um, that kind of breaks down how I. it, how I would do it. I'm not, I don't coach people, but, and I also have that published on my blog. So if that's helpful for anybody.
0: So if someone is just starting to track macros, do they need a coach or can they do it on their own?
1: I just think it totally depends on your personality. And if you benefit from having like someone to be accountable to, but also I do think there's a huge learning curve. And when you have success, it's so much easier to keep going, you know, when you have that reward. So I do think in the beginning, it can be really beneficial to have somebody that you can ask questions to and somebody that can really, that you are reporting to, because it might just keep you more really on track because then if it's going to work and you see the results and you feel great, then it's so much easier to sustain after that. I don't think you need a coach for very long. And I definitely think you can figure out if you're the kind that just is so, Likes to do thing on, things on your own. There's so much information out there. You you can do it on your own. But it's like
0: anything, a coach helps. Okay, good to know. Yeah. So if someone is just starting to track macros, can they eat whatever foods they want as long as it fits in the macros? Or do you suggest certain foods?
1: Okay, that's like the money question. I feel like that's why I started my page. Because when I first got into macros and I was like looking up all these different Pages on Instagram. I mean, Instagram before that for me had just been friends, you know, like it was for all of us in the beginning. So that was my first exposure to like searching for people that weren't my actual real life friends to try to find new ideas for food. And it was so disappointing because it was like, it was still, I feel like just owned by like the men, the men macro account. Man, oh, that's interesting. Macro that's how I felt. Maybe I'm wrong. And just so many like, macro friendly stacks of pancakes with protein powder and pop tarts like it felt like there was this obsession with proving we can eat whatever we want and still counter macros like even the lowest of the low you know like that's what i'm thinking is i've never i haven't eaten a pop tart since like i was a kid at a friend's house anyway like why would i start now right. trying to incorporate these pop tarts that maybe have like protein powder snuck into them it was like very gross so for me, it was like, obviously I still, I'd always cared about good whole foods for the most part. I still wanted to eat like that, but I also wanted to be able to incorporate this new macro counting thing that I'd learned because I did have a greater and quicker. Result. Yeah, results than I'd had previously with other things. So I guess my answer is, it's like asking somebody, can you count your calories and eat whatever you want? Or do you have to eat a certain diet? Like, of course you can eat whatever you want because that's up to you. You know, It's not managing every part of your life. Counting your macros just means you're keeping this data of your intake of your carbs, fat, and protein so you can see what it does to your body. And if you want to raise certain things, lower certain things, depending on your goals. So it just gives you this tool to manipulate your diet for your goals.
0: Yeah. So that's like eating 1400 calories of Oreos or 1400 calories of Protein and vegetables and fruits. I mean, it's sort of the same idea that macro counting, you want to, of course, eat the whole foods and good foods, not all macros And, and Oreos.
1: Yes. And I would say, yeah, that technically you can hit your same macros eating some questionable foods. You could eat just like a bunch of chicken to hit your protein, and then you could fill all your carbs and fat with Oreos if you wanted now like will your results be the same i don't think so but you know again nobody's in charge of you so you're going to decide and see how you feel and all that right
0: right okay so talking about whole foods this one i'm really curious about because on macros people try to keep their fat low
1: Mm -hmm. and i
0: teach that you need healthy fats just for your hormones and your mental health and your brain things like that so right Do macro counters always go for the low fat options at the store or do you ever use the whole fat options?
1: I know that's a good question. When you're counting your macros, you should not always be cutting. When you're cutting, your numbers are low because your goal is to shed fat. So that's not supposed to be the lifestyle though. That's supposed to be a phase, a short phase to achieve your goal. And then you should reverse up, which we'll probably talk about afterwards. You should reverse those calories up. And then you should be eating at like a maintenance level. When you're eating at that maintenance level, all of those macros are gonna be higher. Your fat is what you're gonna increase. You are not gonna increase protein. Your protein stays the same. In fact, you especially want high protein while you're cutting to maintain your muscle, so you don't lose muscle when you're losing weight. When you increase, that protein is actually a little less important when you're just eating enough food for your body to maintain And then I think your fat is plenty high to incorporate, like plenty of good fats from what, I mean, I've done like at least a little bit of research. I'm not an expert in this. I definitely don't claim to be on that end of things, but there was a phase where I was like, am I eating enough fat? So anyway, everything I did, the research, like the heart healthy amount of fat at maintenance, when you're eating like 70 to 80 grams of fat, from what I read, that was great. I think it also comforted me when I see the whole plant-based world that they also avoid excess fats. Like we see olive oil is like a really healthy thing. And I've learned like the plant-based world doesn't use olive oil because it's just, it's processed. It's just a pure fat. So I think when you're tracking your macros, you're counting it all. So obviously you should try to get your fats from good sources, but you just would be making sure you're getting enough fat. You know, something else I wanted to say about the low fat though. There's one thing that's important to me because I feel like if you go in blindly and you're like, low fat's always better, then no, there is so much garbage at the store where they just replace the fat with garbage, with sugar to make it taste good. But so sometimes I do think that that's the criticism, but that's not always the case. So for me, I'm really just going to go low fat when it's dairy and they're just taking out some fat, like low fat milk, and you end up with a higher protein content again, I don't claim to be an expert. So I'm sure there's still, I believe there's still like some benefits to the whole egg and the whole milk and stuff for my kids all the way. But if I have a goal, it's all about priorities to me at the time.
0: Right. Right. Well, and you can find better low fat options compared Mm -hmm. to other low fat options. Some low fat options, I will tell you are terrible. Like I look at the ingredients and I'm like, it is 12 chemicals and no food. Like where right. are the food ingredients? It's just artificially made. Right. So of course I always teach whole food. And mm-hmm. I if I were doing macros, I would do whole fat, but mm-hmm. just not eat so much of it. Right. Right. That's a- another way to do it. So I could Absolutely. have my whole fat cottage cheese, but I'm just not going to eat as much of it. I can have my Absolutely. whole fat milk. I just don't need to drink a full cup of it. You right. know, things like and that. That's, so.
1: that's exactly the catch. That's where you have to prioritize. So for those who are like, that Sounds really wonderful in theory, but I know myself and oh, I'm still hungry, so instead, I had two cups of milk because I deserve it. I'm hungry, and whole fats better. That's great for all those health reasons. Like, I guess macro counting would just tell you you have to be okay with all the results. So, if you're eating an excess of calories because that's important to you, but you also don't have the restraint of Carlin to only have <laughs> a half portion, right? Then you just have to know that's what I love about macro counting. It's just the data so that you can figure out what the results are and then you decide what your priorities are. You know,
0: do you think some people put their fat too low though?
1: Yes, their fat numbers. I should say. Yes, absolutely. As if it
0: lasts too long,
1: especially, I think that if your fat is low, it should be very short.
0: I agree because women actually need healthy fats, especially for their hormones. Mm-hmm. We actually need those fats to create a lot of our hormones. And so sometimes if people are having hormonal issues, I'm like, mm, let's look at your fats. Don't right. cut them you know, too small. So like for me, I've had some like concerns with that just
1: in my own head. So for me, what I do when I feel like that is I do, I completely change my macro balance. Having said that, I don't actually, I haven't tracked diligently in like a really long time. So it's not like necessarily what I'm doing, but I'm still always in my head aware of that breakdown. So if I'm increasing my fats, I'm just naturally lowering my carbs. I'm not so worried about if I'm going to eat whole fat cottage cheese, I'm only going to eat a little bit. It's more like if I'm going to increase my fats and make the goal over a hundred and a lot of my calories are going to come from there, I'm just going to look at my calories and naturally I'm going to drastically reduce my carbohydrate intake during that time so that my calories are still where I want them, whether I want to maintain or lose, et cetera.
0: Right. Well, and don't you think it differs a little bit for people of how they feel because I know, for instance, I feel better with more fats, whereas my Mm -hmm. sister does not because she doesn't digest them well. And so she has a lower fat number than I do. So I think it's individual as well. Like you can look at the calculators, but working with a coach and figuring out for yourself really what, how your body feels the best, I think is important too.
1: Exactly. Which is why I say, yeah, those calculators, it's all just a starting point, but really all that matters is your biofeedback, how you feel, and then you... And that's what I like about it is once you're doing something, it gives you a starting point to like manipulate the numbers from there to figure out what really does feel good for you. And that's all that matters.
0: Right. Okay. So you were talking about cutting, maintaining, reverse explain to brand new macro counter, what those terms mean and where you start. Do you start at maintenance or do you start at cutting?
1: It just Depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to shed fat, Like we hate the word diet, it has such a terrible connotation, but I'm super practical and it's hard for me to get behind like using so many careful words. So to me, it's like, if you're trying to lose weight or shed fat, you're dieting, you're going to be eating in a deficit, in a caloric deficit, that's priority number one. So the whole setting your numbers thing, it's going to start with just figuring out what you're eating right now. And if you're just kind of staying the same weight, there's a good chance you're eating in your maintenance range. And so if you want to shed fat and you're counting macros, you're going to set those calories a little bit lower. So you're in a caloric deficit and then figure out your macros that fit those calories. If you want to count your macros because you just want to, you're happy where you're at, but you want to build muscle, then that's different. You're just going to start them at maintenance, or you're even going to start them in a bolt where you're intentionally eating more than you burn so that you can put on muscle while you're lifting heavy weights, you know? So it just totally depends on your goals.
0: So what is a cut and what's a reverse?
1: So a cut is a diet. It's when you want to shed fat. So that's when you're going to put your calories in a deficit. A reverse is after you've dieted for a chunk of time, because your goal was to shed fat. You don't want to stay there forever because your body adapts. This is like the sad thing that we see that so many people struggle with is they get stuck in this cycle of dieting because they just always want to be a little bit thinner or whatever. So that's where you can get trapped. If you're cutting, if you see macros as just something to lo- like do to, to lose fat. And then you just stay there because you're so afraid to put back on any weight. Well then yeah, your body just gets used to that. You can't just keep losing. We would all just disintegrate, you know? So obviously your body adapts to that new lower caloric intake. And now that's what you use to just maintain. You're not gonna keep losing. Then you're afraid to increase when in reality, maybe you cut at 1600 calories, you can probably maintain that same weight, even the weight you got to maybe plus a little bit, eating 2000 to 2400 calories. So the reverse is the process of increasing your calories to then eat a good healthy amount of calories every day to maintain your weight. And that's when, yeah, that's how you're gonna make sure you're not messing with your hormones and all these other things is you should be spending most of your time at maintenance and then just using maybe short stints to cut when and if you have body fat, you want to lose.
0: So how does someone know how to reverse? Like, how do they know how many calories to go up to or how to change their macros?
1: That's another thing that like, is kind of overcomplicated and doesn't, I don't think it needs to be. So when I first did it, I was with Amber. So my experience was so positive. It's not as simple for me now. So I feel like I can identify with all the people. But for me in the beginning, it was like, I did this like three to four week cut. And then I was happy and was like, I don't want to lose a bunch of weight. I just wanted to like, feel good. I feel good now. What do I do now? And so then she, as my coach gave me, I think an additional, every week I was supposed to eat 100 more calories per day. So you increase that 1600 a day to 1700 a day for a week. And as I watched my biofeedback and I still felt really good, the next week we increased more and more and more. And all of that by way of carbs and fat, because my protein was already plenty high. So then you're just increasing to get to a healthy fat range and lots of carbs. So then you can kind of play with it and decide what's more important to you. If you like to eat a lot of carbs, like how you and your sister feel different, if you prefer a higher fat diet or a higher carb diet, those can kind of fall where they do. But I feel like what I was going to say is what's complicated is because people are so afraid to like watch the scale go up or gain weight. I think the instinct is to increase really slowly when in reality you could jump up probably three to 400 calories right away. And you might see a little bit of increase on the scale because you've got more food in your system. You're eating more carbohydrates. So your cells are holding more water, all those things, but you're not gonna just like gain a bunch of fat. And then you can kind of go from there and increase a little bit more. And you're sort of testing trial and error, seeing like, okay, this is where I started to see the scale tip up and I'm feeling a little bit less comfortable. Maybe I'll like hold right here or go down a little bit and hold right there.
0: Okay. so. If you're tracking macros, are there other food groups that you look at, like sugars, artificial sweeteners, or it's just purely you guys are going to look at the fat, protein, and carbs?
1: That's just back to kind of the same thing I said before, where it's just up to you. Again, saying like, if you do keto, can you eat this kind of oil or only this kind of oil? You know, you decide how pure, how clean, how you want your body to feel. So the, the counting of the macros is just what it is it is the counting of the macros okay those three macronutrients you decide like how good you want to feel okay. and how much you want your gut to work properly and all that
0: you know so let's talk artificial sweeteners because i know mm-hmm. on your uh, instagram you've talked about them recently mm-hmm. and you've cut them out they weren't yes. making your stomach feel good
1: yeah and i mean full transparency i'm so far from perfect i do I'm like afraid to say this on your show. You can edit it out if it's offensive. (laughs) (laughs) I do still drink Diet Coke. No, not offensive. For me, it's like, I want to know when I'm choosing the thing that is not benefiting my health, you know? So if I want to have a Diet Coke in the afternoon, I'm having a Diet Coke. I'm certainly not pretending that it's helping me toward my health goals. What I don't want is Sucralose snuck into all of my protein powders and my green drinks and my, all these things that I thought were helping me in the beginning, you know? Right. So yes, for me, it was completely from you, Karlyn. I still, when people ask me about that, I'm very like, I'm not an expert. Go look at Carlin's page. I just know what she's told me oh, on Instagram. Nice. She doesn't know she's told me, but, and I know that I didn't feel good when I was consuming a lot of super superlows. And even still, I don't feel like I was doing tons, but yeah, I think there's definitely a danger when you start counting your macros, especially if you're following all these influencers who are eating a lot of this stuff. There's a danger that suddenly you're like filling your pantry with these things you never even would have bought before. And you're working them into your diet, like this sugar-free syrup. And I am really embarrassed that it's like, I've got this one sugar-free syrup that's still mentioned once or twice in my first cookbook. And I don't feel like I can take it out. You know, it's all out there. It's not like a main ingredient. It's a drizzle, but I definitely wouldn't like purchase that now.
0: Well, I love that you talk about it. And here's why, because so much of the low fat, the low calorie things out there have artificial Mm -hmm. sweeteners in it. And I think people are fine if they have just like a diet Coke during the day, like they won't feel it in their stomach. But what Mm -hmm. happens, I think to a lot of people is they're having artificial sweeteners for breakfast and they don't know it. It's in the syrup Mm -hmm. or in the protein powder. And then they have it in for a snack in their protein bar or something. And then they have it at lunch, you know, in the salad dressing. And then Mm -hmm. our guts are just full of artificial sweeteners way more than we thought. And so then that just starts destroying the good bacteria in the gut. And then that causes the upset stomach and destroying the good bacteria in the gut can lead to so many other issues. So I appreciate that you do macros and talk about artificial sweeteners, because I think it's important for people just to be aware and -hmm. understand what they can do. And then they can make the choice. Do I want it in my food or do I not? Like you said, you make a conscious decision. Like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy my diet Coke but you've made sure it's out of your protein powder and other things. So I appreciate right. how you do it. Thank you. Okay, another question about macros, and I've always wondered this one. So if you are off on your macros one day, do you lower them the next day to make up for that bad day or you just move on? Personally, I would just definitely just move on. But again, it just
1: depends on your goals. So I'm often gonna use this analogy of like a budget. I feel like macro county is very much like a financial budget. And you could say like, you know what? I deserve this. I deserve to buy this thing. It makes me feel really happy today. But you're the only one, like if me and my husband were saving for our next house and I knew I had to save like $200 a day and that was gonna help us reach our goal in exactly this many months. Well, if one day I decide like, you know what? I deserve this new pair of shoes. I'm just like, I've worked really hard. I'm going to buy it. That's great, right? I think he would support me. I think he'd be fine with it. But I don't think I can do that and then just expect everything to still just end right where it was supposed to end. I have to know the results of that, you know? So that's the only thing is I feel like sometimes I think this there's such a push against diet culture and there's such a push for like self-love. I hope this doesn't come out wrong. All of that is so important, obviously. But I'm like I said, I'm very practical. So to me, it's like, okay, but I just want to know what's actually what the result's going to be. I'm the only one that has to deal with the results on my body. So yeah, if I had a goal and it was very important to me to hit that aesthetic goal or health goal, because my weight was at like an unhealthy weight and it was affecting my life or something, then it might be a priority to like rein things in even more the next day to try to balance out. I think for most of us, absolutely not. I think when it actually comes to macros and day-to-day and your mental health, so it's sustainable. No, I think Mostly, you just move on the next day, and you just try to like every day is a new day.
0: Okay, you're just talking about mental health and mindset. So let's talk about the mindset in counting macros, because in the diet world, macros sometimes gets a negative feeling, negative perception. So is it right for everybody, and why does it get that negative perception?
1: I definitely don't think it's right for everybody. I definitely don't think it's like a foolproof thing. I think with anything that's even remotely connected with dieting. If you have any kind of like eating disordered past, you probably should stay far away. Every once in a while I get a message on my page from somebody that struggles with that. My main message is probably like, you probably shouldn't be following my page because it's going to be about counting macros. And I think if you have a, an obsessive history or, you know, where it's affected you, then no, it's more important. You just, again, it's all about priorities and it's way more important that you have health and balance and mental health than it is that you're able to shed five pounds or whatever. So much more important. You know, I wish we could all cater to everybody. I don't feel like, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but if I've been struggling with like spending too much money I might have to unfollow a lot of like beautiful design accounts because I want to buy a lot of things for my home, you know? Right. But I don't think that makes them bad for putting it out
0: there. That's a good analogy. So question for you then, because I know some people that are really obsessive with their macro counting Mm -hmm. to the point that like when we go out to lunch, they're weighing their spinach that they're putting in their salad. And so what do you say to people that are obsessive like that?
1: I mean, it's hard for me to understand just because of where I'm at now. I can't imagine doing that, but...
0: Having said that, when
1: I first started County Macros, I did like travel, like when we would go to like an Airbnb, I would bring my scale and I have daughters, I have kids. I know that's going to be a question. And I actually feel I'm happy to answer that one because I don't feel like it's an issue, but it can be for sure. And I just think, gosh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a mental health doctor. So I don't know what you teach somebody about that, but I think that's probably a phase and hopefully they get through it quickly because no, I do not think that should be a lifestyle to be that obsessive.
0: So macro counting should not be obsessive. It's just a way to educate yourself as to how you feel when you eat foods.
1: Yes. The short answer is that macro counting should be a tool, a tool that teaches you what's in your food, what it looks like on your plate portion sizes and whatnot, how you feel when you eat that and I think the scale can be super powerful in the beginning when you thought you knew portion sizes, but you didn't really, and it can really help you understand like, okay, different foods. It can vary a lot. If you're eating one kind of protein versus another, the same portion might feel very different in your stomach. So I think it can be really helpful to learn those portion sizes and then spread your wings and like feel kind of free of that.
0: Right. I love that because it is important for people to learn what a portion size is and what that looks like and how to eat that because our portion sizes in America are huge. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would say to those that are listening, if they are obsessive with their macro counting, maybe they should reevaluate and really look inside themselves and ask if this is the best lifestyle for them. Maybe there's a better option for them out there.
1: Right. Maybe their
0: personality is just a little bit too tight on that. Okay. You were just talking about your daughters, so. Do you suggest that teenagers count macros? And how do you teach your daughters that this is a positive thing, not a negative way of life?
1: Yeah, I would never have my daughters count macros. And um, I mean, like a lot of things, I guess when they're adults, they could decide if that was like something that helped them. But I'm actually, I, I mean, I think that from what they've seen, it's just been totally a positive thing. I was I'll start from the beginning because I totally understand the concern and the perception. And when I first started counting macros, it was four years ago, and I was very diligent and I was wanting to weigh everything because it was like this science experiment. And I promised myself, like, I would never let my kids see me weigh my food. So I was really strategic. It was four years ago. So they were a little younger. My oldest was 12. My other daughter was like nine. And for a long time, I felt like they had no idea, but eventually... I realized, okay, this isn't realistic for me to continue using the scale like this and not think that they'll catch on. So then I just made a really obvious effort to focus on the positive. And it was always like figured out I love to lift weights. I'm feeling stronger and I want to make sure I'm getting enough protein for my muscles because I'm doing all this research and you need plenty of protein for your muscles and you need plenty of fat for your brain and your hormones. And you know, the more carbohydrates I have, the more energy I have and I want to run tomorrow. So everything was just with that angle. It was just like, I'm weighing this to make sure I'm getting enough protein for this all this research I've been doing. I don't even feel like it ever crossed their mind that the scale was related to like some kind of depriving or I mean, I've just, because before that, yeah, I was always like, I will never, my kids will never hear the word, like the F word, FAT. They will never hear that I'm trying to lose weight. I was like, so set on all this. And now I'm loving this macro counting thing and thinking like, oh my gosh, I cannot let my kids think I'm, you know. So anyway, luckily as they've gotten older too, my goals have changed so much. And I mean, it's my business. So obviously I'm building meals on the scale all the time, but they're just so aware of what it is to me and it's to calculate. So we know what's in this food. Nothing is off limits in my house. That's what I'm always telling myself too, is all the families out there that had moms who like are not eating bread, not eating carbs trying a new diet, you know, and I'm, I feel really grateful that once I found macros, I have never tried some random diet. It's always just knowing what's in all of our food. There's every food group is always around. There's so many fruits and vegetables. There's always carbs. There's always fats. You know, there's nothing that's like off limits. I don't think my kids will have any memory of depriving, you know?
0: Well, I love that one, you're not depriving. And two, I Mm -hmm. love that you're educating, like hey, I need to eat this amount of protein because I like to lift weights and I'm going to run tomorrow, so I need extra carbs. So I think it's important to educate our kids. And I appreciate that you do that rather than like, oh, I have to do this to lose weight because mm-hmm. that's when the mental issues happen and that diet culture negativity happens. So I appreciate right. that you educated. So Thanks. talking about managing macros, because you just, let's talk about protein. A lot of people struggle with actually gain enough protein. I'm actually one of them. I always have to like get more protein in. What are your recommendations for getting in more protein? And do you have like favorite protein snacks?
1: My answer is pretty simple here though, because if you don't eat meat, then it's a lot harder. If you don't eat meat and dairy, it's exponentially harder, but I do eat both of those things. And not to push my own book, but this is why my first book is built the way that it is. My first cookbook is based around lean proteins that you prep in bulk, And then use throughout the week and that's because that is just legitimately the way that we eat and so it was naturally when i started my account i was just sharing what i was eating and eventually that grew into like putting recipes on the blog and eventually cookbooks and that's how we eat because that's the easiest way to manipulate your protein so much that i almost can't identify anymore with what it's like to not be able to eat your protein I have to scale back. I have to really limit. (laughs) You need to help me then,
0: because I cannot get enough in. You just have to make delicious
1: lean proteins that are in your fridge, ready to go. And then it's like, if I was to track my macros diligently, I would count, I would track them the night before and I would see those holes. I would see, Oh, I'm 50 grams shy of protein. Well, lucky me, I get to add 50 more grams of chicken to my salad at lunch. I get to eat extra egg whites in the morning or throw in an egg. I get to like add a bunch of extra pulled pork to my sandwich at night. Those are like huge wins to me. I would die to be able to just add excessive amounts of these tasty proteins to my meals. I'm always kind of scaling back because I really love a protein shake at night for dessert too.
0: Right. I do know that.
1: So I hit my goal too fast, but I think if you've got tasty proteins prepped, that's the key. You can't go into it thinking you're going to eat like a packaged meal from Trader Joe's And that's going to help you hit your protein goal because anytime these foods are all combined for you, you're going to get all this carb and fat along with your protein. So you can't control your protein because if you want to double the protein, you're also doubling your carbs and fat. So you want to keep your protein lean and separate so you can add it into everything. And then it's so much easier to increase that number, you know?
0: Okay. Talking about your protein shakes, I do see you make them at night on Instagram. So tell me your favorite thing to make in your shakes. That's like
1: this guilty pleasure for me. I feel like, Oh, would I feel better if I didn't go to bed with like a full tummy every night, but it's just so important. Have you seen the family man? Yes. It's like my favorite Christmas movie. And when she's eating the chocolate cake and she's like, it's too important to me. (laughs) It's like my line. I just feel like it's just too important to me. I just love this big giant protein shake at night. I mean, it's one scoop of protein, but it is big. And I top it like it's like a full ice cream sundae kind of, but I top it with powdered peanut butter and almond milk whipped cream and some cocoa nibs. It's the same every single night. Toasted almonds. And I do weigh these things, not even because I'm tracking so much that like, will it fit or will it won't fit? Just because like, I know exactly the portions for this 400 calorie shake that I love. So I build it on the scale and every night is 10 grams of cocoa nibs and 10, 10 grams of almonds. And a little bit of GTG bar and a little bit of Rice Krispies. It's like the layers just keep growing. <laughs> but <laughs> so, it is so amazing. My husband's hooked on it now too. And it's like shake hour. It's like, is it time yet? And then we sit down and we watch a show and it's just a precious thing for me.
0: <laughs> well, at least it's got protein in it and it doesn't yeah. sound terrible. It's a good protein shake. And I know you use good protein powders. So yeah, make sure it's you're your just enjoying, Yeah, you're yeah. just enjoying it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, and it, it really is like, it's so filling, but yeah, when I look at the macros, it's like a 30 carb, 30 protein breakdown, like pretty much how I like all my meals to kind of be broken down, kind of barbells, like lower fat and the carbs and protein kind of match. So, I mean, it's a great breakdown. It's hard for me to want to jump into like an ice cream sundae or something when we're having dessert somewhere because I just never really love it as much as this shake experience at
0: night. It's very much an experience. Well, that's great that (laughs) you found something that you love. So do you have a favorite protein snack or your protein just comes from all the things that you make from scratch?
1: My protein comes primarily from foods that I make probably. I love cottage cheese. That's gonna be incorporated in a lot of my snacks just because I love it. So I'm gonna get that. And then, yeah, I love protein treats and I, feel like I really always want to disclaim this because I don't believe it's the healthiest way to go. I don't think eating bars and shakes is the best way to get your protein in by any means, but I love treats. So for me, if I'm going to want a treat anyway, and I also love these protein treats, it's a good way for me to like scratch that itch, but also get protein instead of just eating a cookie that's going to be all carbs and fat and no protein. I love a protein bar or a protein shake that gives me some protein and I'm also getting my sweet fix, you know?
0: so you're gonna make sure your treats have some protein in them yeah which we probably all should do yeah it's better for your your uh blood sugar levels and things like that anyways right, balanced yeah so if someone wants to do macros then they've got to do a lot of food prepping and making meals from scratch I mean
1: you don't have to I think it's a lot more enjoyable if you do so that You have delicious food. I mean, one of the things that's most important to me are yummy homemade sauces because I just feel like your meal can go from boring to like amazing and you don't, it doesn't need to be always so rich in olive oil and these things that make, that are very calorie dense. You can, that's the thing about macro counting, right? If you've got room for the fats and you want to spend the fats, then wonderful. You can drizzle on a bunch of olive oil or whatever. But if you don't, these homemade, like, with a little bit of time. Yeah. You could have your fridge stocked with some really tasty things that are going to make your meals really good so that you're not mourning. You don't feel like you're like deprived just because you're eating healthy, you know?
0: Okay. So there are a lot of people say, Oh, I'm just too busy to count macros. Like I can't do that. So for the busy Mm -hmm. moms out there, the busy working people, I mean, anyone, what's your suggestion to them to meal prep?
1: Um, Yeah. Having said that, I've never been a meal prepper where there's actually like those containers in my fridge of pre prepped meals. It's why I started this, you know, because it was really hard in the beginning. I remember feeling like, okay, this can't last because I'm like spending so much time trying to like track ahead on my phone, so much time in my fitness pal, so much time calculating if I wanted to actually make a recipe. I mean, that's where that's why my business grew because. That is, it is really hard. There's a huge learning curve. And if you're not using someone's recipes like mine that are already calculated for you, then you're either spending a lot of time calculating them or you're eating very basic chicken, vegetables, or a prepackaged meal. That's the worst thing to me is when you end up eating like packaged food because it's easier to track because you can scan the barcode. Mm. That makes me so sad. Like I remember in the beginning, I was more likely to eat in and out when I started counting macros. I never ate it before. But I, with macros, I it was in my fitness pal. I knew how to track it. Oh, so I was like more likely to eat in and out than a salad from a restaurant because I didn't know how to track it, you know?
0: Oh, that's so interesting. I know. But that so makes I,
1: sense mm-hmm. for someone it, just starting and it, out. And it can, get, it can get dangerous if you just order a huge salad at a restaurant. It can be easily the macros of like a double cheeseburger. We all know that now, you know?
0: So if someone's so, starting out, how do they track that salad from a restaurant?
1: Yeah, that's like, well, I could go into detail or just you do your best estimate for the mental health. I would say you do your best estimate and you just try to be smart. And my biggest tip would just be to keep the very calorie dense things on the side, not because they're bad, just like good fats are good for you, but restaurants are going to put a lot of those fats on your salad, a lot of olive oil in your dressing, a lot of egg. If you got a cob, a lot of avocado, I mean, your calories on that salad could, you know, be over a thousand before you know it. If you keep all that on the side and you're able to control your portion and know that you just got one egg in there and you just got maybe a quarter of an avocado, then I would just go through and I would track those pieces individually. I almost would never try to find like Cobb salad in my fitness pal because that could range. That could be hundred calories. It could be 2000 calories. It's all about the quantity of the items. So I would just do my best estimate.
0: And a lot of those apps now have a lot of restaurant items mm-hmm. in them as well, which has made it easier for people.
1: Right. If you're eating at chain restaurants, you can find a lot of things. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you've released, like you've talked about a few macro-friendly cookbooks. So tell my listeners about those and where they can find them.
1: So yes, I have three books. The first one is the one I was telling you it's, it's based around lean protein, like shredded carnitas or like a shredded Greek pork, some turkey meatballs, some of my favorite grilled chicken, Things that are going to taste good later because I definitely am not one to eat like a classic leftover out of the fridge for lunch. I would never want that. I want my meals to feel like really fresh. So that book is more how I eat. So I've got the protein prepped in the fridge. And then you can very easily with the other recipes in the book, build your Greek pork pitas one night or your pulled pork sandwiches one night or a rice bowl with the grilled chicken or whatever. So you're going to have all these recipes that you're going to use that protein in makes it really easy to manipulate your protein. If you need a lot of protein and less of the rice, but your husband wants a lot of all of it or whatever, you know?
0: So actually, Um, before you tell me about the next cookbook, tell mm -hmm. me this. Those recipes, do you make them for yourself and your kids? So everybody eats the same thing at dinner time.
1: I mean, I want to say absolutely. But if you were in my house, I mean, my boys are very picky. I'm not proud of it. So it's not like they're eating like this, you know, big, amazing Cobb's salad with me. They're going to eat the grilled chicken and they're going to eat some toast and some whatever we've got like out for dinner they're gonna eat bits and pieces of it probably my girls are definitely gonna eat what we're eating but I'm not making two meals no
0: definitely not doing okay that. you're not making your own thing and everybody else a different Mm-mm. a different recipe but
1: that book probably makes it in my opinion easier because it's so deconstructed because the protein is separate so it's very easy to do a taco night out of the carnitas and the boys tacos can be really simple and mine and the girls will and Ross will have all of the mango salsa or whatever, you know, everything on it.
0: Okay. And then your Mm -hmm. second book.
1: My second one was just a little Crunchwrap book. So that's more of like a niche. If you follow me know that I'm like so obsessed with this Crunchwrap for lunch.
0: And they look amazing. Let me tell you when you show them, sometimes I'm like, I want one of those right now, but I do not have all of those ingredients right now. They're
1: amazing. And especially when you count your macros things, it's like when you're a shopper and you get something so good for such a good price, you're like, is there something better? I don't know. I don't even care because the value of this, it's like so amazing and it's so good, such good value. And the price is so low. I don't ever need something different. That's how this feels to me. It's like the macros of a light salad. And I love salad, I ate a salad most nights because I really, that's when I love a salad. But sometimes you want to eat with your hands. It's how I am. I want to like hold a big sandwich or something it's just very satisfying. So anyway, obviously I have strong feelings about it because I made a whole book about them. <laughs> That's awesome. And, um, yeah. Just my favorite combination. So that one's much more like niche and just kind of fun, like buying like a sandwich cookbook, you know? And then the third one is my newest one, probably my most popular one. And it's based around one dish meals. So I've learned, cause that is not as much how I cook, but I've learned that for other people, they find it a lot easier because it's just, you're making the whole meal in one casserole dish, one sheet pan, one pot, and it's all calculated, which I will say that was probably the hardest thing for a macro counter is to figure out like, well, I used to love to make chili, but how on earth do I calculate all these ingredients in this chili and figure out what my portion is? I can't cut it into eight pieces, you know? Right. So that's where this is a value to people, especially I think is when you count your macros, you wanna be able to follow a recipe, and then you've got this big pot of chili and you can scoop out 400 grams of it and log my recipe from my fitness pal, however much you want in your bowl and the macros have been
0: calculated. So, so. you've calculated all the macros for them. Yes. That's that's a really nice tool to have. Yeah, it is honestly,
1: when I started, I was I remember buying like these healthy cookbooks, but realizing even though these recipes say this is what the nutrition would be. It's very general. And it's like, oh, about a sixth of this is going to be about this, depending on what you use. So I think as a macro counter, you learn like on blog recipes, when they show the nutrition, there's just a lot of margin of error. So it's kind of like when you speak the same language, it's refreshing, you know, like I've, I've definitely like checked every ingredient and it's all very, there's always going to be margin of error because if you Cook your soup longer and more of the liquid evaporates, yours is going to be a tiny bit more calorie dense, you know? But those are all things that we have to be human about and let go, right?
0: (laughs) So that cookbook is family friendly as well.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: And I've tasted some of those recipes and they are delicious. So you've done a great job at those recipes. Thank you. So, are there any other tips or advice that you would give people who are tracking macros or those who want to get started tracking macros? I mean,
1: I would just say, um, yeah, it's like the really specific things. If it feels so overwhelming and you really want to do it, first evaluate if you really want to do it. If it makes you feel crazy and obsessive and unhappy, those are all signs that you shouldn't do it. (laughs) If it makes you feel excited because you're the kind of person that likes things to be kind of objective instead of emotional and you appreciate this like Tetris and this science experiment sort of. To have data points to figure out what makes you feel best. I think it can be a wonderful tool. And then I think you just have to kind of check yourself. And if it's becoming obsessive, maybe step away, you know? But I do think that once you get over that learning curve and you've really learned how to count your macros, it can be an incredible tool in your arsenal so that you don't ever feel like, oh, what do I need to do? Do I need to stop eating carbs? Do I need to cut out all sugar? Where for me, it's just, such a balanced way of living because nothing is off limits. Everything just has value and you know how to swap things out. So you still feel good if you decided to eat a giant donut or whatever, you know?
0: No, that's perfect. Cause there aren't <laughs> restrictions. There's just boundaries basically right. is what it is. And then you get to choose whether you're going to choose the foods with whole food ingredients or not, and how much right. you're going to eat of all of it. So it, there is a lot of freedom to it even though the diet culture doesn't show that sometimes.
1: And maybe I'll say one thing that's really important to me for anybody who has my books or does, or uses my recipes. I think they would agree. I use tons of vegetables in my recipes and I almost feel like macro counting. I've always loved vegetables, but it's kind of shifted the reason why I love vegetables, which I think is helpful. I think so many people see it as like, I need to get my greens in. I need to get my veggies in. Oh good. I snuck. They're forcing in these vegetables because they're like vitamins, like a medicine, you know, Mm -hmm. and even though it's true that they're good for you and you want all those vitamins, I feel like that's like a lost resource. They're so delicious when prepared correctly. And I feel like there's so many amazing recipes out there, but generally when I'm building recipe, I feel like whatever recipe I used to do, it can have three times the veggies Mm
0: -hmm. and still
1: be so delicious. And what you're left with is... If you didn't care about macros, then wonderful. You have this big bowl of chili and you're getting way more fiber and veggies in there than your classic bowl of chili. If you do care about macros, the beauty is you're getting this giant bowl of chili and all your macros for that same portion are just going to be better. You're going to have lower carbs because it's going to be probably fewer beans, but a lot of veggies. And so you're still going to have plenty of carbs because of veggies, but you're going to have just by nature of filling that space with veggies everything else goes down a little so your calories are just able to kind of stay the same for a larger portion and that becomes so important with macro counting not because we all need to have our calories low but for people like me who like to eat a lot of food the answer can't always be just eat less because we won't always stick to that so even though it is that simple and we could all just reduce our portions we don't always Want to do that, nor will we stick to that. So, by nature of shoving tons of veggies into your food, you don't have to reduce your portions necessarily. You can just build it properly so you can be really nice and full and have a delicious, satisfying meal and magically, like, still hit your goals.
0: Oh, I love that. So, do you count all your vegetables as carbs then? Or are there any free ones? If I'm counting, I'm counting everything. And I don't feel like that's because I'm obsessive, it's
1: because it's not. Hard for me. It's like they do have value. It's kind of like saying, I mean, if I'm just going to spend like a dollar to pick up a pack of gum, like I don't need to count that in the budget, right? It's like kind of what you said about the sucralose, it adds up. So I'm fully aware that they're very healthy carbs and that they're some of them are pretty negligible. I'm definitely not going to be weighing my spinach at a restaurant. But if I was logging that salad from the restaurant when I got home later, I would log. 150 grams of spinach because I know it's going to count for something
0: good to know I didn't know listeners would probably just ask that so Mm -hmm. okay so tell my listeners where they can find you where they can find your cookbooks I'm on
1: instagram lily eats and tells and my website is lilyeatsandtells.com and you can find my cookbooks linked in both of those places
0: they have really good recipes you guys And I always close my podcast by asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life.
1: It seems like such a simple question, but I, and I feel like this is going to sound so cheesy or I just went in circles. Like, is there something more interesting, but I just feel like kindness. I feel like it's just an underrated quality. I think like We're so focused sometimes on being like more powerful or more confident or, you know, advocating for ourselves and so many things that are very important, but sometimes at the expense of kindness. And I think if we focused on that, it just um, the results are better for everybody.
0: I love that. And it's simple, but it's so true because just last night... I got a really rude DM and you probably know this with Instagram. It's just oh, the, yeah. the territory that comes with being on Instagram, but I got a really rude DM and I said to my husband, why can't we just all be kind? That's mm-hmm. it. Like if this mm-hmm. world, if we all were just kind and made that a priority, this world would be a completely different place. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate I, you saying that. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lily, for being here. I know my listeners learned a lot about macros and thank you again for taking time to be here. Oh, thank you for having me, Karlyn. I'm honored. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.